The Sports Career Podcast, episode 177. Why is it important to understand a country's culture when pursuing a career as a professional football coach? Hello Sports Achiever, hope you're doing well during this time in the coronavirus. I really do hope you're safe and look, I really do hope this podcast show can serve you well during this time from an educational standpoint. I'm your host Ed Bowers and as always my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a specific field in the sports industry especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in coaching. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Nicola Williams. Nicola is a professional football coach where she has coached with professional football clubs and national teams across the world, like AC Milan, Trinidad Tobago, and the Australian national football teams. Also, she has a sports science degree from the University of Western Australia, which I'm particularly interested in how she's applied that degree into a career in coaching. On that note, it's brilliant to have Nicola as a special guest on the show, and that's why in today's episode, Nicola will share her football career journey and explain the importance of understanding countries' cultures when pursuing a career in coaching around the world. Nicola, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast show. Please could you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Yeah, I think um, I've always lived in, in sport. This has been my life since being young and playing absolutely every sport possible. Um, I grew up in England, uh, a little bit in the countryside in Lancashire, so I had a big back garden and I had every kind of basketball, tennis racket, football, anything I wanted to use to to play. Lots of space by myself, often against the wall, but um, that's where I began. And then uh, I was lucky, or you know, some people find it traumatic, but otherwise it, it was lucky for me um, that we emigrated to Australia. So when I was in my teenage years, and that for sport-wise was a, a huge difference. It allowed me to do even more sports, but have a have a life that was outdoors completely in Perth in Australia. The weather's fantastic all year round, and uh, and the and the uh, the environment in Australia is that everybody plays a lot of sports, and sometimes that's a that's not great if you want to become a champion. But on the other hand, it is good that you you get to be involved in a lot of different activities and meet lots of people. So. That's where I started, and I uh, wanted to have a career in sports. So I, became, I went to a university to do a sports science degree. Wasn't sure what I might end up with, whether rehabilitation afterwards or more sports science or masters. And uh, I picked up a scholarship to be a teacher. So I thought, okay, well, I'll be a sports teacher. And I was still, I was, I was then sort of went to the pathway of football to start playing uh, in a centre, the National Training Centre. So. Teaching allowed me to, or studying as well, allowed me to finish studying or working, and then in the evening I would train. So it kind of went par and par and continued ever since. Just on that note, because I've done a sports science degree myself, out of interest, how has that supported you reflecting now with regards to your coaching career, which we'll talk in a lot more detail on the show? 
Yeah, I think it's open more doors. Well, it allows you to open more doors because you have uh, another niche that you can use. So it depends. Some countries and philosophies are that they want coaches to do the football science part and to integrate that into the training. And others want it completely separate. So it depends where you are. And I'm able to adjust to both. So in that sense, I'm lucky. And I can also, whether I'm involved directly or not, I, I you know, I'm utilized if the head coach or another coach doesn't have that degree. They look to that experience as well to say, okay, are we on the right path? What do you think? What's another person? So, it, yeah, value adds to a team of coaches, I guess, to be able to do that or opens up other positions that I could just work as a as sports scientist in a team. And just on that note with regards to your time at university doing sports science, how important, you mentioned it very briefly, how important is it to be very open-minded? For example, I did a sports degree because I really wanted to be a psychologist, but it didn't work out that road. So just for students listening in, could you just remember that sort of being open-minded from a career perspective while studying? Definitely, definitely, because there's many avenues that you can go down and some are very passionate, want to be clinical, some want to be very much in touch with athletes and in teams and travel and be a part. And, and so, yeah, you have to find where you fit best, but also uh, depends also your type of personality, what kind of uh, athlete you were or are. Um, and also, yeah, all the time technology, um, our studies advance. Uh, things come out that you go, oh, okay, this is a new study that's incorporated this. Now it's all about the menstrual cycle from the World Cup. And so we have to adapt again. Okay, what do we need to study here? What do we need to implement for women's sports? Um, so yeah, working in Australia and their philosophy to them coming into Italy and a completely different philosophy to go is, um, you have to adapt. And so you can't go, no, it's just this way or one way. It's yeah, you have to be very open. So when was the moment when you decided to pivot into being a football coach? Could you just explain to listeners that sort of decision making? <laughs> yeah, because I was still playing. I was still quite young in a sense in my mid twenties. Uh, break in the league in in Australia so the W league hadn't yet been formed and there was a couple of years gap and I knew in that time that okay even if I came back I could play but maybe my time would be limited but I also wanted to start getting into coaching because I was always teaching I was already coaching uh, younger you know players and uh, I'd started my C license my B license and so yeah, I thought, okay, in this couple of years, I'll finish and work on my A license. And I was lucky that Football Australia supported me to do that. There wasn't many female coaches in Australia. And uh, so when the league started, I was then coaching, ready to coach. Well, it was my first opportunity, but I, yeah, I was ready. And just with regards to your teaching, I've interviewed quite a lot of coaches and most of them do actually start in schools, in teaching. How important is it to sort of start that grassroot level before you get straight to that sort of elite side of sport. Could you just share an insight from your journey on that point? Yeah, I think what a school or an organisation work for the Department of Education, for example, it gives you a lot of um, background to put things into structure and to be organised. So you plan in advance, you budget in advance, you're looking um, at talent identification, player pathways, but also codes of conducts and how to act and what to implement, whether you're working with parents or working with adults. And so it gives you that all-rounded, okay, um, duty of care as well, all-rounded policies that you know that you need to implement when you're coaching. It's not just I go on the field and I coach and I don't care about anything else that happens. It gives you a bigger picture. So, yeah, definitely helped. And just talk about the bigger picture of coaching in general. Have you seen coaching develop from the last five years from technology to like 
all the sort of bells and whistles of, let's say, data analytics to the actual coaching itself. What's your viewpoint of modern coaching now? Yeah, look, I think, again, also in different countries is different because it depends on the type of staff, but that, uh, you know, accepted in clubs or with the federation. So, um, you know, when, when I started, I was lucky to have an assistant that I knew. Maybe there was a goalkeeper coach that came a few times and everything else the coach had to do. So I was the physical trainer. I was the analysis. I was setting up the field. I was ordering the equipment, you know, that kind of thing. And that was, you know, not so long ago, 2008, 7, 8, when it, when it started. So 10 years on, yeah, now the staff is opened up. And, I, for example, I, I've been looking at Chelsea and they opened up a lot of positions over the summer to value add their team. So they have, you know, identified people that will be the sports analysis. They'll do the, the conditioning. That'll do the um, on-field training, a couple of different coaches plus the goalkeeper. So there's a lot more people involved, a lot more expertise, which it's sometimes difficult because if they are new people, it takes time to get your team together. And if that team isn't able to go to the next job together, there's always that breakdown and, and restart that then can really affect you as being the head coach. Because as a head coach, you grow with your staff and you grow with your team and you trust each other and you build something and you have your methodology, you have your way that you work. So it's important to be able to take that with you. Like, in the men's side, it sometimes is, well, very rarely happens in the women's side, unfortunately. But with regards to the growth of women coaches, we met at the Athens Women's Football Summit. What do you like to see on that sort of point? Because I, I want to highlight it. Let's be honest, there is so much more room and so much more opportunity that should be from a women's standpoint from coaching. What would you like to see moving forward on this topic? I like to see that we don't lose those uh, female coaches at the very top because they're so valuable. They're so important also for me to aspire to be a coach, but also other coaches starting out. We learn so much from, uh, you know, yeah, your own um, role models. And so when I started, I, I was in Australia and I said Tom Samani was the head coach then. And, and he said, look, how can we help you develop? And I said, look, I've never seen what a female head coach looks like. I don't know. I've never had one myself. And I've never, there's not one in this country. And so luckily he had a nice network of, of coaches and he sent me off on um, over to America. And that's where I met Emma Hayes and stayed with her a few weeks. And she was very open um, to share everything. And her assistant was Denise Reddy, another coach that ended up, you know, coaching in, in the American League. Um, then I went to the national team and met Pia Sondhag and her assistant was Hege Riese and her staff. So that opened the door and I went, wow, okay, these women are really fantastic, capable. They're legends of the game. You know, some of them have CVs from playing that you go, wow, this is impressive. So, but I know that it's, um, it's certainly, it's getting harder and harder. Unfortunately, many cases where applying for a job, there's been some very competent, you know, players, ex-players, so female coaches that have played a hundred or more caps for their country and pro license and maybe coached a couple of national teams or someone but they don't get selected for a position that someone who hasn't got that experience or even qualification has taken those roles. So, yeah, an area that I don't know where it's going and want to stay, yeah, keep watching and keep hoping for the best. Absolutely. And it's all about building that development, going the right direction. And we've touched on it very briefly, but I want to put it in more of a question with regards to today's podcast topic, how important is it to be very mindful about different countries' culture with regards to sport and relating to 
to uh, coaching as well. You mentioned it very briefly when you're out in Australia compared to Italy. Could you just elaborate that important part as well? Because that's what coaching is about. It's about understanding cultures whilst coaching in those countries. Sure. Well, I'd, I'd say, of, of course, Australia is a very Western type country that is similar probably to Canada, America, England, how we plan and prepare in advance. But yeah, things are six months to a year planned for already. Um, as a coach, you have a lot of communication, um, you use emails or internet, or so you have meetings and, you know, things are very formal and there is a process and a procedure. Um, when you're coaching, it's very much um, there are sort of the programs to follow uh, a code, for example. So in Australia, we have a philosophy that is an Australian philosophy that you can that you buy into, and of course, I'm sure England and America and so on have theirs um, that you yeah you have to incorporate into your coaching and be aware of, um, which is more globally, not to do with the players, not to do with um, what you see and to attack the games tactically wise it's more as a whole the culture the philosophy as a country as a whole uh, Australia is very big on that because they are very much um, uh, we like to work hard we want to try and put everything into the match physically um, to dominate games to have possession ball uh, when we lose the ball to win it back very fast and and to to try and be pro very proactive um, so in that sense, you have to definitely drive that when you're coaching there because that's the mentality of the players of the of the of the system. Um, when we moved to when I moved to Trinidad and Tobago, um, it was exciting because it was a brand new project. It was a brand new country. Um, they've had obviously English dictation for for a while from being part of the United Kingdom and recently separated. So there is some of that processes involved. But, of course, the long-term vision is just not there. Everything's sort of day-to-day, -day, okay, we'll, we'll run day-to-day. -day. Um, but in terms of the players, you know, they really bought into everything that we wanted to try and do. They really trust who you are and if you're a good person or uh, if you're true and honest. And so you have, to be, you have to be yourself and you have to say, look, this is where we're heading, this is what we're like. And, and again, it's um, also asking them and to incorporate their staff, to incorporate their um, members of society, because it's not just, okay, we run in, we dominate everything, we go away, you lose everything. It was more, you know, we have to teach everything, the process. So we had a lot of um, Trinidad, Trinidadians that um, were part of our staff that um, followed us, that would sit down and meet. And it was a lot of teaching and a lot of um, also likewise back to us, you know, to understand that players were coming sometimes um, to training without having uh, eaten anything for the day and they were hungry or that they weren't able to catch transport or we, when the bus dropped them back, they're in the middle of nowhere at nine o'clock. So can we change training times? You know, things like that. So safety was a, was a big concern there. Uh, the food was a big concern. And uh, to respect the religion as well, because in Trinidad there's three different powerful religions. There's Hinduism, Muslims, and Christianity. So there was a, a big mix of being aware that, okay, time to pray was important and, um, yeah, to, to respect that, to bring that in and to, to add value. So, yeah, that was very interesting and very, very good experience. And um, I guess now, yeah, being in Italy is, a, is another, another experience again because, well, um, yeah, the, the detail that there is in Italy, I've never found anywhere in, in the world. So 
the detailing terms of the actual coaching, the, what to coach, there's so much to coach and the detail is never ending. So there's situations where you go, we haven't even thought about this, but they really go into detail and explain why and what, what the situation would be. But it, again, it's very open and very everyone here is a lot more open to share. So if I go into AS Roma and watch the men's or the Lazio or intern, and which I'm very lucky that I have access to, coaches want to share. They want to um, speak with you. They want you to watch. They want you to ask questions. They want you to 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 challenge them and they want to answer or debate with you, which is really good. Whereas, yeah, Australia was a lot more closed in that sense. It was a lot more I'm protecting a little bit of my work because there's not very many jobs. And so it was a little bit more threatening. Whereas in Italy, yeah, there's, yeah, it's very open. But in terms of the team, it was, it was very interesting to work at Milan, for example, because um, I was working with the head coach, which is Carolina Modace. She's Italian and uh, myself being foreign, we had a mix of players. So we had yeah, probably about six or seven foreign players that spoke English. Um, only one of the foreign players spoke Italian quite well. And then on the other hand, we had all Italians and probably most of them knew a little bit of English, but there was about three or four that didn't speak any English. So trying to to um, bring the two, well, there's more than two cultures because the foreigners were all from different countries. But let's say foreigners and uh, Italians, trying to bring them together was an interesting task. And and I think we're very lucky that for myself and Carolina, we're able to tackle both of them and talk about it a lot and be able to understand each other's perspective and put that back towards to the players. Carolina translating to the Italians, I'm speaking to the, the foreign players and vice versa. Um, we, you know, we sort of created a group from really – now, there was, at the start, there was two change rooms, foreigners and Italians. Uh, also, because the change rooms were small, it wasn't great to have that. But you know, it was a bit like um, from the World Cup, you, if you remember the Japanese, they how they cleaned up the stadium afterwards or their changing room so that the foreign players would leave and it would be spotless. And we'd have a look in the Italian changing room. It was a bit of a mess. And they'd be, oh, we're a bit of shame. You know, we'd do a photo. Those sorts of things that they don't you don't realize. But, um, yeah, it worked really, really well. So. We're lucky in that aspect. And I think one of the major differences was um, um, player-wise was that uh, the Italian players, they like to talk. So, you know, Italians are very much, I want to speak, I want to express myself, I want to um, be heard. I, and, and there was conversations over conversations over conversations, and that's what happens. And, and a lot of the time also at the meals, for example, you do a team meal, it wasn't just eat and go. It was eat and we stay and we drink coffee afterwards and we speak and and so the foreigners are like can we get out of here this is taking a long time but for the Italians it was super important and that was where they did their socializing so it was about explaining you know to the foreign players well this is kind of how they do it in Italy and I know it's a bit painful at times that we spend a lot of time talking or being here but it's important for them to to spend that time to speak and so on so yeah, there was a lot of give and take and understanding each other. But, yeah, I think it worked really well towards the end and we created a nice group of friends and interesting experiences. I find this fascinating. You see my big smile when I'm <laughs> listening to you. Just really, just yeah. really quickly, because I think what you talk about is really important from a coaching perspective with regards to cultures, which you've just mentioned. But out of interest, how was your coaching philosophy d- adapted throughout time whilst coaching in these different countries out of interest? Yeah, I guess um, 
Yeah, I guess going into Trinidad, it was very much, look, I think that you had to coach. You couldn't go there and coach with authority. And I think personality is very important when you coach and you have to have, you have to be sure of yourself. You have to be a leader and you have to assert some authority. Yes. But at the same time, if you overdo that in some places, it doesn't go well for you. So, but you can't also be submissive as well as a coach. So, um, you know, in Trinidad, you really had to, okay, yes, this is the plan. You had to, to explain, you had to really show evidence and you had to bring the team, you know, the group of players on board with you in that sense. And then there was a lot more trust created and okay. You know, it was really about um, working with the players, working with them as adults and and respecting that and not being uh, aggressive and you're not running and, you know, being that kind of coach. So encouraging was really important. Whereas in Italy, because they are, they're very strong characters, Italian players, they very passionate uh, it was almost that if you, as a coach, if, or if, if I do the, um, the video presentation of before the match or after the match or we're in the classroom situation, if you, if I use the same type of, t- I mean, I've been a teacher 15 years, if I was monotone or stayed in one position or um, I had to change my body language, I had to be engaging because if not, the players would switch off or they'd talk over or try to talk, you know, ask a question and ask another question and it would become a discussion. So it was very much like, yes, you want their points of view, but also as a deliverer, you have to be a lot more engaging. So move around a lot, keep their attention, um, change the pitch of the voice, get angry when you need to, be normal. You have to show the passion because if not, then they think, oh, you don't look like you really care about what you're saying. So we're not going to buy into that. Whereas, you know, foreign players, they – they listen and they follow and they're silent and that's what they're used to. So, yeah, you had to, yeah, you have to read the situation and definitely adapt. Just, just on a personal note, Nicola, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey? Looking back right now, look, I think I've been fortunate. I've always had such. Um, I've enjoyed my work. I go to work and I enjoy my work. So whether it was school, was a working as a sports teacher in a football specialist school. I basically created a football specialist school because it was my passion. So I went in as a PE teacher. Actually, I had to do a little bit of dance, which definitely wasn't. I like dance, but it wasn't my thing to teach. <laughs> and uh, I created, I went, okay, I'm going to have to to do something here. And so I created a football course that started off with just one class and grew and grew. And, and now it's going on, has international trips and so on. So um, you know, I created something. I've always been involved in something I love and go to work happy. I don't want to leave work. So actually leaving uh, full-time teaching to full-time coaching, I was thinking I'm leaving the best job in the world. I've got great holidays, great pay. I'm going into work. I love what I do. I've got good backup from the administration. Everything's organized and life was very easy. Um, but now also as a football coach, you go, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this as a job. You go in and you, you don't know when your day off is, but it doesn't matter because you're constantly uh, doing something you love. So, yeah, I think that um, I'm lucky in that sense. Well, I can definitely hear your whole enthusiasm through this podcast chat. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What three tips would you give to university students who want to pursue a career as a football coach? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's really important to have a personality, to have um, 
to know what kind of a person you are or want to be um, and charisma, a charm or to be strong, to have uh, leadership is, is really important. You need to be organized. You need to know everything because what or have people that know everything to help you. But, um, yes, definitely knowing what kind of personality you are. And I think that's also difficult because it depends on the role that you get. So I know that being an assistant coach, my personality is different for when I was a head coach, whether I was coaching the under-20s as a head coach. or um, But being an assistant to the first team is definitely a different role that you have to take on. So you're still the same person, but the way that you interact is different. So, for example, being a head coach, um, yeah, you definitely have to make the decision when you need to. You need to be able to answer questions when you need to. Um, but as the assistant, you have to go off. It's almost like you do the background work and you do on-field work, but you're listening, you're watching, you're helping others, and you're getting an inside a different way. And so the way you interact with players is a lot different. Um, so that's one. The second is, yes, definitely have passion. You've got to believe in what you're doing because if you don't believe in what you're doing and you're not passionate about what you're doing, how are you going to motivate others is just impossible. So uh, even if you're not feeling or you're not great or you're sick or whatever, you get down on the field or you get out there and, and, and straight away, you know, people read off you because they'll come along with you if, if they follow, if you know they believe and they can see what, what you have to give. So that's important. Um, and I guess the last thing is, I guess I can't fault this, it's been a bit of my journey, but is um, is to continue to learn, must always continue to learn. I mean, uh, the amount of books that are available in Italian, I've never seen, there's nothing written in English like this. They, they study a lot of things. So whether it's reading books or going online or going out physically um, to watch sessions or to ask people or to travel, yeah, it's definitely very, very important. And and if you're invited to events or you're invited to things, and also if you have to do some work for free, do it because there's some great opportunities out there and, and you must give it a try. Nicola, that's absolutely fantastic. I really do hope the listeners take those three tips on board. How can people interact with you on social media? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I've got LinkedIn, so that's always a place that you can you can message and so on. Um, I do put some things on Instagram. I try to every now and then, so it's another. But um, yeah, so those main things. I have Facebook as well, so it doesn't matter any of the forms. I'm available, and no problem. That is great to all the listeners listening in. All those social media links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Nicola, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. You too, Ed. Thank you very much for the invite. What a really fascinating podcast chat with Nicola and I really do hope you enjoyed it as much as I have but from today's podcast topic about being mindful about different cultures when coaching I really hope you enjoyed that part when Nicola was sharing her coaching career journey from coaching from us in Australia understanding Italy and how you know the different cultures different there I find it so fascinating but most importantly very important the one thing I've learned throughout this podcast journey is the different cultures of how sport has had an impact with regards to an employment journey in the sports industry, but also being mindful of how different countries and cultures have just different ways of doing things. So this is really important. But from an employment standpoint in coaching and those brilliant career tips that Nicola has mentioned, I just want to say with regards to um, Nicola mentioning of going to different events, 
without a doubt that is a great way but at the moment I'm actually editing this during the coronavirus I just want to say with that career tip this is a great time to educate this is a great time to do your online learning but with regards to meeting people with regards to going to events I just want to say please stay at home I just want to say that because you know for me I feel like this podcast show I have a responsibility to share that but when things are sorted out hopefully very very soon when events are going on um, around the world then yes meeting people is one of the best ways to build new connections in the sports industry that is how I met Nicola in Athens last year in person it's a very powerful way to really introduce yourself but in this current climax of where the world is please stay at home I hope this podcast is educated you with regards to your your own self-development but without a doubt from a coaching journey I really do hope Nicola's career journey can inspire you during this period so when you get back on to the coaching uh, if it's the football pitch if it's the basketball court I really do hope Nicola's career tips have guided you with regards to your coaching philosophy when you get back coaching in person thank you for listening please stay safe during this period and um, look i'm here to provide any assistance as well with regards to your sports career ambition and take care now as always at the end of each podcast episode i like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker nicholas said have a personality know who you are know what you want be strong and be organized because that will support you in the role you want to do in the sports industry.'"